0: And so we as a society, we as as humanity are literally creating the perfect places to create more COVID, to create more swine flu, to create more cow disease, to create more avian flu. The list goes on. The magic of milk, as we like to call it, are these things called micelles. There are these microscopic structures that exist in the casein protein of dairy milk. And they give milk this really unique taste and mouthfeel and ability, functionality, to turn from a liquid, like a milk, to a semi-solid, like a cream, to a solid, like a cheese. And we said, all we have to do, and it's quite hard, is to replicate those micelles using plants. And we did exactly that.
1: Hey guys, this is episode eight of the Replanted podcast. And before diving into it, I just wanna say, wow. What started out just as a personal experiment to share stories of people and planet heroes have turned into something I could never imagine. And for that, I have two special groups of people to thank. First of all, thanks to you guys listening in, who continue to show great support and give invaluable feedback along the way. If you do like what you hear, the best way to support and grow the podcast is to share it with friends, family, colleagues, you name it. And second, to visit Apple Podcasts, to give it a rating and a review. Second, all you amazing guests who have decided to join the show. In a very short period of time, a rather incredible line of guests have joined including some of the world's most renowned experts on various people and planet-related topics, authors, people behind some of the best-ever TED Talks, people out in the field risking their lives to save the planet, activists, entrepreneurs, the list goes on. And I'm just super humble for all of you deciding to focus a share of your energy this way. With that said, let's focus on today's guest, Alan Steinhardt. co-founder and ceo of eclipse foods this is a tale of two friends a top star chef and a previous software developer who felt such a strong urge to tackle one of the world's most pressing challenges that they quit their jobs and set out on a visionary endeavor to completely disrupt the global dairy industry alan is one of the top experts in the alternative protein industry I was previously at the Good Food Institute speaking regularly on food innovation at conferences and universities such as Harvard, MIT, Yale, Berkeley, and Stanford. I think this episode speaks especially to all of those out there who might walk around fiddling with the idea of making a leap of faith change in your life, who perhaps aspire to devote your time, energy, and career to something that feels extremely meaningful. Alan is a perfect example of someone who dared to do just that. And I really enjoyed my conversation with him, and I hope that you will find this inspirational as well.
2: Hi, Alan. Uh Thank you so much for joining the podcast. I, I've been following your work for, for quite a while, and I'm a big fan.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: So I guess um, a good place to start would uh, be to uh, explain for, uh, to the listeners, uh, what is Eclipse Foods and, and why do you as a company exist?
0: Yeah, so Eclipse, we make plant-based dairy products that are indistinguishable from conventional dairy in taste, texture, and functionality. Our mission as a company, why we exist, is to create a more sustainable, healthy, and humane food system. And we believe we can do that by giving consumers plant-based dairy products that require no sacrifice. And therefore we can convert not the small section of of consumers that already eats vegan or vegetarian, but the massive mainstream consumer market. Uh, In fact, when you look at the research, The number one reason that mainstream consumers avoid plant-based dairy today is taste. And still, as we see a lot of options that don't taste quite like dairy have managed to scale, but the massive amount of consumers are still not eating plant-based dairy, right? It's like in the 80%, 84% don't consume plant-based dairy at all. And so, we're creating products that actually meet consumers where they are and then being able to convert those consumers, have them eating in a more sustainable way, a more humane way and a more healthy way.
2: You know, I have this question of you saying that this, this product is, is uh, indistinguishable from conventional dairy. I, if that's true, I love it. And I guess some, some people would, would consider it a pretty bold claim. Uh, and there are certainly a bunch of competitors out there, and I've tasted a lot of them who certainly do not live up to that. So how come that you dare to make such a bold claim and and, and what sets you apart from competitors?
0: Yeah, so really the, the claim comes from, well, the product, right? It's, uh, so I should send you some and you can make the assessment yourself. Um, <laughs> but how we got to there... I'll explain kind of the how and then some of the kind of proof is is in the ice cream. So we essentially, when creating Eclipse, we looked at the molecular composition of milk and really figured out what makes dairy milk milk. What makes it taste like milk? What makes it have the texture of milk and what makes it function like milk? And we said, if we can just basically mimic that, plants, then we can have a product that is indistinguishable. And what we came to find in our our explorations is that the magic of milk, as we like to call it, are these things called micelles. There are these microscopic structures that exist in the casein protein of dairy milk, and they give milk this really unique taste and mouthfeel and ability, functionality to turn from a liquid like a milk to a semi-solid, like a cream to a solid, like a cheese. And we said, all we have to do, and it's quite hard, is to replicate those micelles using plants. And we did exactly that. So our whole patent portfolio, our whole IP portfolio is around recreating micelles using non-GMO, really sustainable, like some of the most sustainable crops in the world, like potato, cassava, corn, um, no top allergens, etc., and basically creating this base with the micelles that it functions like a dairy, like a dairy base. And then we can use that to create cheese that tastes like cheese and melts like cheese, ice cream that is just like amazing ice cream, milk that froths, um, essentially any product with the taste, texture, and functionality of dairy. And so we've actually managed to do that which is to your question is like, how, how can we make such a bold claim? Well, we, we both have numbers and kind of anecdotal. On the anecdotal, we have uh, some amazing press headlines like CNN saying it's indistinguishable from the dairy version um, in a blind taste test. San Francisco Chronicle saying tastes just like dairy. And I could keep going on and on and on. But if you're more more numbers driven. We actually did a blind taste test at UC Berkeley with a professor there, um, over hundred people. And we put Eclipse next to the best-selling plant-based ice creams out there. And then Eclipse next to the best-selling dairy ice cream out there. And 67% of people actually said that Eclipse tastes better than the best-selling plant-based ice creams out there, which is obviously really important um, from creating a tasty product. But even more important on this topic of indistinguishable and actually competing with dairy, uh, we had 73% of people in that blind taste test say that Eclipse's chocolate ice cream is actually creamier than the best-selling dairy chocolate ice cream in the U.S. And that was this big, like, wow, like we're actually making something that will be able to change the world. Um, and subsequent, subsequently, we see that 83% of our consumers are mainstream consumers, are not vegans or vegetarians. So actually appealing to them by creating the products they're looking for.
2: Mm, cool.
0: So, your, your vision,
2: if, I, if I'm correct, is complete, to completely disrupt the global dairy markets. And uh, I guess with U.S. Uh, dairy industry of 100 billion dollars, which is uh, pretty, pretty big, <laughs> that's uh, that's a pretty impressive aspiration of yours. And um, you know, from someone who has been born and raised into believing that dairy was good for you and good for the planet and all of that, what, why is this important for you and, and the world that you that you succeed with this?
0: Yeah, that was all kind of the reason why is is why I started Eclipse and also why Thomas uh, started Eclipse. Um, It really comes down, there's four areas of harm within industrial animal agriculture that we are addressing through Eclipse and as an industry. Um, And I'm sure your listeners know some of this, so maybe they can put me on 1.5x here, but the, uh, the four areas of harm that really made me leave, I, I founded a software company and was running a software company at the time during a time where software was on fire. And I saw the light when I learned about these four areas and it really is what made me even leave software to, to go join the alternative protein industry, which was like not even a thing at the time, right? Mm. Um, and yeah, the, those four areas of harm, first is sustainability, right? So as many people know, industrial animal agriculture is responsible for more climate change than all of transportation combined, according to the UN. Um, In addition, it's responsible for 90% of the deforestation of the Amazon rainforest, one of the most precious natural resources on earth. And therefore, with all that deforestation, it has a big hand to play in the mass extinction of species that we're seeing today. Um, so on the environmental side, it's this atrocious thing, right? On the global poverty side, the, the way that we structure the food system today with industrial animal agriculture is we have developing nations who are obviously poorer than developed nations, grow lots and lots of food, edible food, like corn and soy and wheat and feed that food to animals. And then they slaughter those animals and then those animals get shipped over to places like the U.S. And what that means is that we're gutting those local food systems twice. Like they're both using their land to create food that they don't eat. And then they ship the animals that they have fed that food and they don't eat them. And in part, that's why a billion people on the globe today are starving. Malnourished is the official term. Mm. And the third harm is animal suffering. Uh, as we know, there's lots and lots of animals. The numbers are over 60 billion animals that are slaughtered every single year for food. Um, and that feels like very abstract. So kind of what is that L- let's make it feel a little bit more real well there's animals, all of those animals basically are treated in a way that if they were dogs or cats, that would warrant felony cruelty to animal charges, right? Because we care about our dogs or cats. And then the last area of harm, and this one I think is kind of the most acute, given that we're still in this global pandemic, is human health. So on the individual side excessive consumption of animal products is linked to basically all of the major chronic diseases in the West, hypertension, diabetes, obesity, stroke, heart disease, et cetera. Um, But on the macro side, and this is related to the pandemic is 70% of the antibiotics produced in the US actually don't go to people. They go to keeping animals alive in the conditions that we keep them. And that is the perfect breeding ground for superbugs, for antibiotic resistance, and for zoonotic diseases. And so we as a society, we as as humanity, are literally creating the perfect places to create more COVID, to create more swine flu, to create more cow disease, to create more avian flu, the list goes on. And actually, there is estimates out there that antibiotic resistance is going to kill more people than cancer by 2050. So when we heard all these four things combined, right, the climate, the human health, the human global poverty, the the animal suffering, we said, oh, we have to solve this thing (laughs) and we have to solve it really, really fast. And the only way we're going to solve this really fast is by transitioning masses and masses of people away from industrial animal agriculture. And the only way we're going to do that is we have to meet them where they are. We have to give consumers what they're looking for, which is delicious products at a good price that are available in many, many places. And I can talk about how we get to the price of dairy, which is actually probably the most exciting part of Eclipse's approach, but that that was really the vision and the reason why.
2: Mm. Yeah. That's, it's um, certainly one of the, or perhaps the biggest challenge we're facing as humanity right now. So Uh, thanks for uh, for doing what you're doing (laughs) that's it's really important how is you know on on um on a on a price level as you say when to compete with with dairy because that's what what always um, uh i guess that's that's hindering people to make the shift as well because when you're standing there in the ice cream uh, uh Shop and there's one ice cream costing you know the double amount or the triple amount of what conventional dairy costs. Uh, it, it I guess it hinders people to to uh, sort of make the transition or make the choice. Uh, how how are you uh, dealing with that?
0: The data shows, to your point, that the three driving factors for a purchasing decision on food is taste number one price, number two, availability, obviously it has to be there. And then like nutrition and everything else. Hmm. So we have to get price right as an industry in order to actually get this mass adoption. And we knew this right from the beginning when we were creating Eclipse. And so the big innovation for us is that, like I said before, we have this dairy base. And this base is what we use to create all these different dairy products. And what's special about the base is it functions like dairy, right? The whole idea of this company is that we're basically we're replacing dairy. And so the base, what that means is that the base can actually run on dairy lines. And what that means is that we can scale super quickly and super efficiently. By efficiently, I mean, cost-effectively. So if there's a, a nice dairy plant in Sweden that happens to not be used, we can go in there and we can use those same lines without introducing really complex new equipment and really different processing techniques. We can just go in there and turn it on like that. And what that means is we can get product going much faster, much cheaper. And you combine that, which is, that is like, a massive part of food, right, is actually creating the food. And so you combine that with the fact that we use these inexpensive ingredients like cassava, corn, potato, also super sustainable, as we said, but very, very affordable ingredients. And what that combines to is that at scale, we'll actually be able to, to go head to head with dairy versus competitors who are using really expensive biotech or, expensive ingredients like coconut or very custom processing techniques. Those are going to be really, really hard to scale. When we're talking about competing with a commodity product dairy, which is also subsidized. So it's a big uphill battle and we need to get all the help we can get in terms of actually being able to compete with it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so surprise uh, tastes, and availability is important. And then i guess also people think or should think about nutrition, like the health aspects of what they're putting into their bodies, right? Um and i guess if, if you ask people why they drink milk, 99% would say calcium. Um are there sort of any reasons at all that 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 people uh not just the the 65% of the world's population who actually cannot digest milk, but all of us should turn to your product uh, from a, from a health uh, point of view instead of conventional dairy.
0: I mean, we can talk about the macro health stuff, which I talked about at length, so I won't go back to it, but if you want to just reduce overall risk to yourself from really big things, then probably moving away from all industrial animal agriculture products is a good idea for Eclipse specifically. We're definitely not a, aiming to be a health brand, right? We're aiming to be a perfect dairy replacement. So what that does mean is that you're not going to sacrifice anything coming to eclipse versus your glass of milk, right? It's going to be nutritionally, same levels of protein, about same levels of nutrients, minerals, you're going to have in our milk, lower sugar, You're going to have slightly lower calories. Um, And what's interesting is because we don't use animal fat and we don't use coconut, our products actually don't have, well, have basically no saturated fat and no cholesterol. So there are benefits. um, But in the end, I think that the biggest benefit is that you're eating plants and that you're Eating something that's delicious, and that you're also contributing to the well-being of people, planet, and animals, and you're not sacrificing anything on your experience, both from a taste, a texture, a functionality perspective.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's mind-blowing and uh, truly aspirational, and I think it's such a no-brainer for <laughs> the world to to go down this this path. Um, if we, for a moment, just turn back to to you personally, uh, could you walk me through your life or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> leading up to this this choice of of career path? And as you said before, you're you were in software uh, development. Um, I, I guess many many people they have sort of an aspiration to to go into uh, the you know helping the plant based movement or or whatever they want to do, uh, but they feel they have absolutely no uh, experience or perhaps even skill set that could be applied in this. So I think it's not always interesting to hear from someone who, who wasn't in this industry, but then just took the uh, sort of a leap of faith.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, let's start when, when I was eight years old or seven years old. Um, I used to go... Every single day, I lived in a small town, and I would go every single day after school to go tend to to the animals in the uh, it was like a community zoo. It was, they like rescued animals, and and um, I would go and I would like clean up to, after the porcupines and feed the monkeys and things like that. And I think that's I didn't know at the time, as you can imagine, but I think that that was the beginning of this a real connection to nature and, and a love for, for animals. And, and, and kind of fast-forwarding uh, many, many years later, uh, I actually watched a documentary uh, called Cowspiracy. I'm sure you've seen it. And in that documentary, there's a line that says that you can't call yourself an environmentalist and still eat animal products. And that really resonated with me. And I said, "All right, well, I will just stop eating animal products then." Which, to me, sounded like an easy thing, and <laughs> it was—it was not as hard as I thought. Um, and just at around that time, my friend sent me a a link to this strange product that wasn't in the market, that was starting to make waves, called the Impossible Burger, and. That was this huge aha moment for me because what I realized was, and I was, as you mentioned, I was running a a software business that I co-founded at the time. And what I realized was that there was an opportunity to combine my professional passion, which is entrepreneurship and innovation with my personal passion, which had become transitioning the world away from industrial animal agriculture for all the reasons that we discussed earlier. And so th- it was that moment that I decided I'm going to join this industry. But, and this is a story for all, all the folks who are outside of the industry and are thinking like, okay, well, how do I break in? Right. Um, Cause I was a complete outsider. I didn't know anyone. I, I literally had no contacts in the food industry at all. Um, and I said, how am I going to break into this industry that not only is it, it's strange to me, but it's also tiny, like the, there was no opportunities, right? There was basically two companies at the point, maybe three that were really doing the replacement um, uh, strategy, which is what I was interested in. So what I did was I, um, I actually, I applied to the Good Food Institute and I was waiting to hear back. And at the same time, I was thinking, like, how can I get in front of all these companies? How can I meet all these people? And I learned about Expo West, which is the largest uh, food conference in the U.S. And it was happening just a few weeks from when I learned about it. And I said, "Okay, I have to find a way in to this conference. But the tickets were really expensive and I was, I had no idea how to get in, right? So what I did was I actually, uh, I emailed about 50 companies that were presenting at Expo West and I offered to work their booth for free in exchange for a ticket and some time to network. And I got 48 no's. (laughs) One saying like, they didn't really understand what I wanted. (laughs) <laughs> and one said, yeah, absolutely. Come on down. We'll pay for your hotel as well. So that was like this moment where I got to break through that, that wall. And once I was at Expo West, I got to meet a lot of the people that, that I admired so much. You know, the folks from Beyond Meat, folks from other plant-based companies. Um, and I also got to meet the executive director at the Good Food Institute. And I think he had this moment of realizing this guy's not going to go away. <laughs> he's he's gonna he's gonna make an impact here, whether I like it or not. So we might as well take a shot on him. And then he brought me in, and and uh, from there I really started gaining a ton of knowledge in, in the industry, and um, was able to from there start Eclipse. That's uh, so cool uh, to hear. I guess
2: there are tons of ways in. Uh, you just have to uh, sort of. Unlock those those doors, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, have you uh, have you had any uh, heroes along your journey uh, that you you really look up to and sort of I don't know mentors or or something who have really been giving you uh, advice and along the way?
0: Yeah, one of uh, one of the mentors or advisors that I that I really really appreciate having a relationship with is uh, Seth Goldman. He's the chairman of Beyond Meat. He's also the founder of Honest Tea and now uh, founder of Eat the Change. And talk about a person and an organization like Beyond Meat that has made as much impact on the mission that I care so deeply about. So getting getting to learn from him and getting to really like learn about the experience of growing beyond me it's it's invaluable. So that's, that's always great. I also feel really lucky to have Alexis Ohanian on my side of the court. Uh, Alexis was the founder of Reddit um, also founded initialized capital, which led our seed round um, and now founded seven, seven, six, which is a new venture capital firm that he's running. Uh, And he's, he's awesome. He's an inspiration. Talk about a guy with like a moral compass pointing north. Like he's stands up for so many good causes from parental leave to equality in pay and sports. Like he's just a, an awesome mission driven guy and also super successful. Um, So getting to learn from, from him as well. Uh, it's really, really great.
2: Mm, sounds like a, a dream team you have on your, your side there. So, uh, cool to hear. Is there, a, is there any um, funny story or any disaster that has happened along the way that you can tell us about? I guess it's not just uh, a success uh, every day, but uh, it might be some ups and downs in the life of an entre- entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. I mean it's it's definitely not all up in remember, so <laughs> definitely not all up. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of tumultuous moments. Uh yeah, I think I think a, a funny story uh is right when the supply chain issues were starting to starting to get challenging. Um we had a, a packaging order that got pretty delayed. And We had some big customers that were waiting for our product this was our ice cream pints and we uh we had no idea how we were actually going to fulfill those orders because the packaging was delayed like four weeks five weeks and you know the customer didn't really want to wait five weeks for our product to arrive so we said well let's get some some blank pints and we ordered 17,000 blank pints to our office. And then we said, let's order some stickers. And we ordered 17,000 stickers to our office. Uh, And then we had to answer the question of, how in the world are we about to sticker 17,000 pints um, in order to to meet the production run that we had um, in order to meet the purchase order that we had from the customers? and we we didn't really have a great answer but then we also had a company offsite or on-site scheduled um, and so when we and this was kind of the the first on-site since the pandemic started like everyone got was vaccinated and uh, we were finally able to meet and we got everyone together in a room and we had this really awesome uh, yeah company bonding on-site and then we kind of, as a surprise to the team, we're like, all right, so we have a really fun team bonding activity. <laughs> it requires outfits, and we brought out gowns and, and hair, hair masks or hair nets and face shields and gloves. So, and it requires uh, working in groups together. And we put everyone in their tables with uh, this massive stack of pints and massive stickers. And it requires uh, a lot of hand dexterity. And basically, we we as a company just like blasted music and stickered pints for three hours straight. Um, and we didn't finish all of them, but we got close enough that we were able to meet the PO. Wow, that's cool. Also,
2: says something about your leadership uh, style. So.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, cool. Do you, so. So you're actually. If I got this right, you're starting with ice cream, but you're also moving into disrupting other conventional dairy products, right? I guess cheese, for one, would be very welcome by society.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there's a big gap there in the in the cheese world. Mm. And yeah, basically, we're we're working on all of them. We've prototyped basically any dairy product you can think of.
2: Yeah, yeah, and but it's only the the uh, ice cream that is out there, uh, right? That's now, right. Or, that's yeah. Right. Okay. So, what are the um, looking ahead? What's the what's the next big thing for you? I guess you're not uh, sleeping away.
0: Yeah the the future of Eclipse products is in line with the size of the market for the dairy products, and the reason is because that is like the size of the impact, right? So, if people buying like are buying tons and tons of cheese and tons and tons of milk and tons and tons of yogurt, then we should probably make those products before we make, I don't know, like a creme anglaise or something that is less frequently purchased, creme fraiche or something, right? So we want to, we want to really focus on where is the volume and where can we offset most the consumption of dairy? Um, so yeah, I would say that's that's the level that I, I can provide. Um, but if you come visit us at our headquarters, then uh, I'll let you try the, the latest and greatest.
2: <laughs> cool. Yeah, I would I would love to do that. It's been's it's been a blast having you on. Uh, I think you' what you're doing is super inspirational, both for for uh, aspiring entrepreneurs, but also for society at large. Uh, the planets and, and humanity definitely needs more uh, more people and more businesses like like yours
0: thanks so much i really appreciate it
1: the replanet podcast